This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to use social to grow your popularity. So whether you're trying to grow yourself as a business or yourself within a business, your social channels need to be approached with a marketing lens. So this is way different from the rest of the population who may use their social channels as ways to capture and share their life and their thoughts, but whatever that might be. But when you approach social with a marketing lens, it requires intention, it requires a narrative, and you guessed it, it requires a strategy. Yes, and it's really important to recognize, too, that this is a test and learn practice. You hear us talk about testing and learning all the time on this show. This is a, another situation for that because it takes time to really see what resonates. And what we can say is you always need to start from a place of authenticity because in the day we are in, people, audiences sniff it out when it is not authentic. So really what that means is your social media presence needs to be rooted in your personal brand, another topic we discussed a ton. And you need to know what success looks like so you can appropriately evaluate and refine as part of that testing and learning strategy. And today we're going to bring on a guest to discuss this topic. It's somebody who is, lives it in a very much a day-to-day standpoint. That's AJ Kumar, the digital maestro of The Limitless Company. Hey, AJ, would you like to say hi and introduce yourself? Hey, hey. Yeah, nice <laughs> nice to talk to everybody here. Yeah, I'm AJ, the digital maestro. So I help thought leaders create viral content on social media. Uh, essentially, what we do is we help them understand what kind of content is working and evaluate their content by a methodology we call ROAC, Return on Attention Created. I've been in digital marketing for a little bit over 15 years now. I came from the real world of working with gurus in the seminar space and then transitioned to working with gurus in the online space. I actually started working with corporate brands at first, uh, helping them primarily with SEO. And then as I saw the opportunity to work with personal brands, I took it. One of the first personal brands I worked with was a woman named Kimberly Snyder who was a celebrity nutritionist, helped take her blog from 30,000 visitors a month to like 500,000 visitors a month. And that opened all sorts of new doors for her and for me in the sense of understanding what's possible with the internet for a person. So that eventually led me to really honing in on helping thought leaders build their personal brand on the internet and leverage that to to grow their business, to grow their audience, to grow their brand. And today I have the Limitless Company that helps people do just that. I love it. So all you have to do, right, is just snap your fingers and then it, you just go from 25,000 to 500,000, right? That's, it's just that easy. <laughs> just like that. Snap, snap. All right. So or, then you we're could, done. or you could rub the lamp. Oh, we can rub the lamp. Yeah. All right. So when, if you can find the lamp, you can rub it and you can get that too. So this podcast episode is now over, right? <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all it. we need to that's cover. All we gotta, that's all we got, guys. We're good to go. <laughs> all right. No, actually, we're going to jump into all of those details because I know everybody is very intrigued by what you had to say. And I know everybody is more like, well, okay, how do you do it? And how do I do it? Most importantly. So AJ, let's start with why is social becoming such a key channel for realizing popularity? Because there's been a shift in the way that people show up when they want to develop thought leadership, when they want to develop that credibility, when they want to grow their their awareness. So how has social like kind of changed the game? And it has evolved so significantly over the past decade or so, right? And you know, traditionally people that are it, you know, wanting to become thought leaders old media, traditional media, you do seminars, you go to events, and if you're lucky, you'd even get to some kind of television position in some way, shape, or form. But obviously that, you know, that model has changed and evolved. And social media at first was very much a novelty to most people. People were getting used to it. They're trying to figure out how it works. I know I kind of understood it right off the bat in like 2009, 2010, because I was already in the internet space. But a lot of people were really just intrigued by it. Right. Like, like, oh, I, these are the people that I knew in high school. Now we get to uh-huh. see what they're doing and what they're up to. And social media originally operated with a social graph. Right. Which means that you're essentially seeing people and content from people that, you know, or people that they know. So it was a very slow way to discover new content. 
And people are were very much familiar with Google, right? Google has been around for a little bit, and that was primarily the way we operated. We searched for stuff on Google. We found different websites, and that's how we discovered people and people that were thought leaders on certain topics. But over the past decade or so, as technology advanced and really a perfect storm of so many different things, like even the bandwidth to be able to handle video content at scale, even with the pandemic and what that happened, made social media so much more sophisticated. And today, social media is at a point where it's now an interest-based algorithm. So before, where it was very much like, you know, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, where we're thinking mm -hmm. about <laughs> how many degrees are we away from Kevin Bacon, right? Everyone's at least six. And that's just how you thought about it. Whereas today, it's way beyond that. Now it's based off of interest. And now you're seeing content, not just from people that you know, but people that are interested in the same types of topics as before. So that is what's referred to as the TikTokification of social media. Mm -hmm. TikTok was originally who started it with their short form vertical videos. People were so amazed and intrigued that all the other social networks were like, hey, let's do this. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Google land, but in Google land, if you have a website and you want that website to rank at the top of search engines, you essentially need to get other websites to link to it. And by other websites linking to it, you know, that's other people voting for you to be that trusted source. So in social media land, it's similar in the sense that people are engaging with your content and a person that has content that people are engaging with is considered popular and reliable. It doesn't mean it's the if so facto so of what it is, but it definitely puts you in that position to where you could become a thought leader on new topics that you didn't before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love what you have to say about the level of sophistication. I mean, for whatever reason, and anecdotally, lately, my Facebook has been reminding me of posts that I made very early on, right? And I have been chuckling because it's like a random comment between me and one of my sisters, right? That like... <laughs> I would not cringe because I'm like, I would never post that out there for people to see, right? But when I look back on that, it's exactly what you're talking about versus now where we are fast forward and you're looking for really more, to me, it's more of like the community space, right? It's like, I'm trying to build beyond just the people I know, the like-mindedness, and also looking for people to feed what I'm looking for at the same time. But it's less about me knowing, and you know, I think this is a hard thing for people to let go to. It is for me of like letting someone in that I don't actually know for the benefit of what we're talking about here, which is building your overall popularity and the personal brand you want to put out there, which I think there's so many, you know, complications and so many different lenses for this, which is why I think this conversation is so important. You threw out a whole bunch of them, right? I'm sure our audience is like, oh, geez, I have to, you know, make a bunch of notes and maybe listen to this one a few times. But I think there are tons of reasons that we are where we are and why social media is such a fruitful place to be building your personal brand and popularity now versus what it was at the beginning. Yeah, like it's become a much more trusted source, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. we've yeah. probably heard of this TikTok, Instagram, YouTube is a new ABC, NBC, CBS, right? And now you have reports <laughs> and studies coming out saying that, you know, 20% of adults are getting their news from TikTok or 50% of Gen Z is getting their news from TikTok or social media in general. And those are indicators that are telling us that, hey, these platforms are legitimatized now. And there's all this doubt and uncertainty when it comes to traditional media because they skew in one direction or another, whereas social media seems to be a place where you could get a variety of different opinions, right? There's this whole like supply and demand thing that's happening where there's so much demand for short form content that now the average user is spending about 2.5 hours a day on social media consuming content. And if you're consuming, you know, 5, 10, 20, 35, 60 seconds of content, you can only imagine how much content you could be consuming in that, that period of time. So it's playing such a critical role. And the opportunity is so massive, like there's not enough supply to currently meet the demand. So there's still a lot of opportunity for anybody out there that's just even barely getting started now. Yeah, and I, and I love what you had to say about discoverability, because I think that's the crux. That's what everybody's asking, right? How do I get discovered? How do I get discovered? I mean, I put all this stuff out there, and why don't people like it? Or why aren't people watching it? And I think the thing that you said right before that is the crux of that, and it's, it's all about interest-based content, right? Because 
that's how people are getting new content and getting and getting exposure to new people producing the content where before we might like follow our quote unquote favorite people like or celebrities or stars or athletes or whatnot but now it's being curated based on what i'm interested in and that's what you talk like the TikTokification basically of social media in the way that people are scrolling because it happens to us all the time and sometimes we it happens without us even knowing it i mean obviously what you had said about the cross-linking is absolutely right but there's also the retargeting which happens a lot or it just happens like these algorithms that, you know, all the meta is making kind of starts tracking what we're interested in and it feeds us more of that. Like I must have uh, clicked on a gorilla post at one time, a baby gorilla post. Now I get fed like baby gorilla posts, like nobody's <laughs> business, right? So somebody yeah. said, oh, she likes baby gorillas. Here's more baby gorilla stuff in every single kind of format you could think of from the Congo to like all across <laughs> the whole entire world. Yeah. So I think it's really, really important to be very intentional how you're creating your content and making sure it's interest based on the community that which you want to reach, as April was saying. And that's very, very different than the traditional way that we think about using social media, which is I have this thought and I want to put that thought out there and I hope the whole world loves my thoughts. So maybe AJ, you could speak to a little bit more about the like the strategy of trying to figure out how do I figure out what I want to say that's going to help me get that quote unquote discoverability or that awareness. Everyone's taught to niche down, right? Into whatever category or, or field that they're in. And that is a great place to start of like, all right, this is my niche. This is where I'm at. And then you have a chance to explore all the different topics that are within that niche. But then as you, as you start to realize the people that become the thought leaders, the people that become in the public eye typically have a variety of different niches that they're a part of. They have their core niche that they're part of. And then they also have complementary areas that they're part of. So an example is when I was working with Kimberly Snyder, she is a plant-based nutritionist, right? I also realized that she had other areas of interest like spirituality or yoga. And as I discovered that, then we started to integrate these other complementary areas of interest into her content, which essentially allowed people that weren't necessarily into plant-based nutrition, but were into yoga to discover her and then also become interested in plant-based nutrition. So when you're thinking about what market do you want to position yourself in? What is the core focus that you want to have within that market? And then what are complementary areas that you also are interested in? Because the challenge is so many people are talking about different content, right? There's billions of pieces of content out there. So you are trying to stand out from everybody else. You want to be different from everybody else. And you want to really position yourself as a multidimensional person. Otherwise, people are watching you on a flat surface, right? It's a one-dimensional experience. But if you could add the reality of how humans are, like one person isn't just focused on this one thing, they have other areas of interest, that's what helps you stand out. That's what helps people want to connect with you, even if they aren't aware of your core focus to begin with. So, I mean, what I'm hearing as you're talking about all that is strategy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that you said is about the niche. I mean, how do you, I guess, evaluate and decide, you know, is this where I start or I have all these different interests? What do I do with that? Like, how do you work with these people to help them identify what is going to stand out from the noise and then how to bring it to life? Because I totally appreciate the one dimensionality of things. We've all seen bad content right? Where mm -hmm. it just misses the mark and you're like, oh. And even those of us that are in it are like, oh, I see what they're trying to do, but man, that really didn't fail. Most people don't even think that far. They just move along and then you've lost your opportunity. So talk a little bit about like how the sauce is made or how do you figure out what that looks like as far as the plan goes? Well, now we're in a place where it's, it's great because so many people have already created so much content that you could go into your niche and look up other people that have created similar content on topics that you could talk about and see what's already working. And based off of what's already working, you could create content that expands on that topic, right? This is similarly to how it was happening in search engine world, where you would see what kind of blogs rank at the very top and see how you could create something that's similar, but adds more value to it. There's a guy in the SEO world named Brian Dean who came up with this topic called the skyscraper technique where he would see what kind of content is ranking and then he would add more value on top of what was being communicated with that piece of content. And that would help in that piece of content ranking higher. Similarly, in social media land, it works like that as well. 
find out to see what kind of content is already getting millions of views or already going viral and talk about that and expand on it. And it all comes down to, you know, what you like talking about, because if you're not genuinely enthusiastic about this stuff, then it's going to show because unlike blog content, unlike the written word, when you're on video, when you're communicating visually, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of bits and pieces that are being communicated, right? There are studies that were done in the past that talk about how communication is broken down. 7% is words, 38% of its tonality, 55% of it's your body language. So people that are, and this is what actors do, right? This is why actors are some of the most highly paid people in the world. It seems like an easy job, but it's actually very technically hard to be able to play your body like an instrument. And that's what you're doing is you're learning to play your body like an instrument in a way where anybody could say the same things, but if you could say it in a more interesting way, in a more animated way, in a way that has fluctuations in how your, your tone comes across, you become a lot more effective because social media at the end of the day, these are channels for communication at scale. And worse, whether you're in person and you're trying to communicate with somebody or you're on social media when you're trying to communicate with somebody, all of these things play into it. Yeah. And I think you know, what you're really highlighting is a need for some level of point of view, right? Because I think a lot of people, like you just said, are under the impression that I can just create something. And like we said at the very beginning, we snap our fingers and you know it could go viral, it could not go viral. It's just kind of a happenstance of the universe, right? Where there is like certain things, like you never can guarantee your content's gonna go viral, but there's certain things that are important in order to make sure that not only the one piece of content quote unquote, go viral, but then multiple pieces of content from you go viral. And I think that the two things that I heard you say that I think are really important, I want people to hear is that having a point of view, being able to add value on top of what's already going on, not just contributing it, it's a very big difference between thought leadership and curation. And we see it all the time in, in books, we see it all the time in, in speakers in people who lead seminars, people, some people are curators, and some people are thought leaders, either one can make you money, it just depends on how you want to show up and the presence that you want to have. And I think the other second thing you said was belief and, and, and if you're not believing what you're saying, if it's not part of what your personal brand is, if it's not part of your, what your overall presence you want it to signify, or you want it, how you want to show up, you can see that on video. And I think that's why a lot of people shy away from video initially too, because it just is so, makes you just so transparently vulnerable. <laughs> I mean, in front of yeah. anybody, you can't hide behind yeah. anything, right? And so it all has to work together. So maybe you could speak a little bit more to the art form of video about short form content, what, tell me, speak more to that art, speak more to how that, that format speaks to people and what people need to consider when they are thinking about going into this communication channel. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because a lot of people that we work with are, the people that have been in the, in their, in their respective industries for a really long time and they're really successful at it. And they're familiar with speaking long form, right? Long form is really easy. Yep. But when it comes to creating short form content, people kind of get stuck. And really, it's like the way I always talk to people about it is that you get the stuff that you're trying to talk about, and then you're essentially just like splintering it. You're getting these little splinters from the core subject that you're talking about, and then you're essentially repackaging it for short form land, right? Because short form vertical videos is essentially the new way people are watching television, right? Instead of it being horizontal on a television where it's 30 minutes long or 60 minutes long, it's now vertical. And you guys probably remember, I think it was Quibi was the, mm -hmm. yeah. was the platform, right? Like when that first came out, it was a, it flopped. They spent so much money on it. And then everybody was like, oh, people don't want to watch vertical content. But that wasn't it. It was just that people didn't want to pay for this vertical content that they really were unfamiliar with. But then as people started consuming TikTok, that was one of the first social networks that really hardcore pushed short form content it became a new habit and people loved it and people enjoyed it. And they really got addicted to it because of the way the mechanisms work on that platform, whether you're, you're posting content and you're getting all of these engagement metrics that are just very high, especially in the beginning, or you're consuming content and you're realizing you're getting content that you're really interested in really fast. 
So by that mechanism in place and people really loving it, it essentially took over as the new way people like to consume content. And now we're at this place where, like I was mentioning, people are watching for 2.5 hours a day and they're consuming hundreds of videos. So now as a, as a person that wants to create content and that wants to become a thought leader or wants to position themselves in the market in some way, now you have to implement strategy, you have to implement techniques, especially thinking about how people are using these platforms, right? They're scrolling. And if you imagine if somebody's on social media, they're usually in it in spurts of like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, sometimes even an hour. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten that warning on TikTok or on social where it's like, <laughs> you've been on for a, a bit too long there, buddy. Maybe no, I'm sure break. my 16-year-old daughter has, without <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, that's there. The demand is there. So then as the, the person that's creating the content, now you're thinking about it more strategically because ultimately the goal of the algorithms, these platforms are to keep users on the platform as long as possible. They want watch time. So if you're producing content that gets somebody to watch the entire video that consumes it, it's gonna start showing it to more people. So the way we work with clients is we have we help them develop what's called the hook and then the sub hook. Because we, based on the data that we've had with their clients that have these really viral videos, I'm talking about like 2 million, 10 million type videos, usually people that watch about 10 to 15 seconds of the content tend to watch the whole thing all the way through. So if we could get somebody to stay between that 10 to 15 second mark, they'll stay. So we put a lot of focus and emphasis on that portion of the video, right? Because that's just the nature of how it works. And it's all entertainment first. I don't know if you heard of this quote, and I don't know how you feel about Elon Musk. <laughs> but he has, this, he has this quote where he says, the most entertaining outcome is the most likely outcome because people tend to gravitate towards what they're more excited about. And these platforms, TikTok, and as these other uh, networks like so Instagram and, and YouTube ad adopt that method, they're making it very entertainment first. So then as the thought leader, as the person that wants to build their personal brand, you got to start thinking about how could you be more entertaining? And the root word of entertainment really comes down to being able to hold someone's attention, right? It's not necessarily being a clown and like throwing a pie in your face or something like that. It's really being able to get somebody hooked so that they're now listening to what you have to say and then keep them entertained or hold on to their attention so that they're staying all the way through. That becomes a really key part of what needs to happen now. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about personal brand and then the layer of video and how hard that is for people, plus the stopping power. How do you help people identify in this format? How do they figure out what works? How do they get people to do the 10 to 15 minutes and then longer than that? You know, how do you help them connect that authenticity we talked about in the very beginning through their personal brand in this new space that many of us aren't that comfortable with? and then have stuff that people will engage with? Like what's the process for getting that? Because I have to imagine it's uncomfortable for people in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and also hard to be authentic then because it's not something you're used to doing, whether it's a short form in front of the camera, all of the above, et cetera. That's a really good question. I think a lot of people kind of come to that spot. And this, isn't, this is not gonna sound like a magical answer really building your personal brand on social media is an iterative process and it really comes down to creating videos getting over that cringe factor and continuing to do it yeah because the cringiness is gonna happen no matter what it happened for me happened for clients even successful clients that i have like i had this one client that was in commercial real estate this guy's super successful he buys like 20 30 million dollar properties and then flips them for like 40 50 million dollars very confident guy, but then when all of a sudden he's in front of a camera, uh -huh. gets a little bit squeamish, <laughs> uh -huh. right? Yeah. Yep. So it's always fun and interesting for me to see that because I see these gurus that are really powerful. And then as soon as the camera's on them, they're like, ah. <laughs> but now like, you know, 50, 60, 70 videos later, all of a sudden it feels a lot more natural. And if you think about it, that's really how it works in any type of skill that you're trying to develop. In the beginning, it's uncomfortable. There's like that learning curve process, right? And there's that period of time where it's embarrassing, it's cringy, you want to quit. Like, what's the point? That happens. But 
con being a content creator is really an audience centered sport. And I call it a sport because when you think about it in that respect, you start to like eventually just get over the stuff that's blocking you or that's preventing you. That's getting you to think about, Oh, this is what people think of me. They're going to laugh, whatever. Right. That's really the only way to get beyond that. And once you do get beyond that, then it becomes a lot easier. Then you become more like freer to be yourself and to test more versions of yourself that you want to put out there. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love the idea of practicing because I think that puts it in the right mindset. Connects back to an early thought you are saying when you were talking about Quibi, I was just recently been hearing a little bit more about them. I'm reading the book, The Geek Way, I think is what it's called. Um, and he talks mm. about that specifically. And it's the mentality and the mindset of the founder who was highly successful before as a producer, movie producer, couldn't shift the mindset into this new space and then just totally insisted that the content he was creating is the content people wanted to watch. Right. And so then it, it totally fell apart because nobody wanted to pay for this content he was putting on. I can't remember what it was, but it was like reruns of like three's company or something like that i mean it wasn't that but it was something like similar to that. It's like it was like the recreation of punked or whatever right yeah something like that yeah so it was yeah. just like i'm not paying money for that and then and also ironically which just to take us down a little bit of a rabbit hole which i found extremely interesting was that he wanted it only to be in the vertical format he didn't want it to have to you couldn't stream it to other devices which is kind of interesting now because he was right, but he's right about 20 years later where people are now just like, okay with it just being on a singular device, but just because the devices have gotten more sophisticated and you're able to, to uh, engage with them a little bit differently. But what I, I, the whole reason for me saying this was because I think the mindset is so critically important when you're gonna take on this idea of creating this kind of visual content and if you could put it in the mindset of it being a practice, it helps you to be okay refining it because it is cringy. I mean, a thousand percent. We had the same experience with people get behind a microphone. Yeah. Like we, we'll talk to them and they'll be having fun. And all of a sudden you say, okay, we're rolling. And all they're like, they freeze up and they don't know how to speak. And there's not even any video there. <laughs> so I, I think that's huh. interesting about like being able to listen to yourself back or being able to watch yourself back and saying, Ooh, I could do that a little bit better, or I can refine that a little bit more, or I need to practice that, or I need to be a little bit more expressive or whatever that training becomes, because that's, what's going to make you better. And it's those who kind of look at it and be like, Oh no, I'm fine. Or, you know, or I'm not willing to, to go through that iterative process that it tend to kind of fail at this, frankly, because they're not willing to put it into the mindset of, it's a practice. I need to get feedback. I need to be aware of how people are engaging. I need to look at my metrics. I need to look at my responses. I need to look at you know, all of those things around me to see if this is even landing or resonating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I say the, the sports analogy, because, you know, to some respect, you're doing reps, you're getting these reps yep. in, you're, you're practicing and it is a very, it's athletic in some sense, right? It's like, think about the, like the video game industry, which is really exploding. These kids that are in that industry are by no means, you know, like these athletes that you see, you know, in football, basketball, whatever, but in their own respect, they're athletes because they're playing in this really competitive sport. And if you could think of content creation in that way as well, it changes the way you, you go at it also, right? Now you're building, you're developing, you're gaining these skill sets. You're figuring it out and you also have these metrics, right? Like that becomes your scoreboard essentially, which starts to help you understand, Hey, is it improving? Oh no, I'm not getting any views. I'm not getting any traction. It's been like six months. All right. Time to iterate, time to change. Yeah. And I think it's especially hard for people that have been so successful at other places. And you mentioned this before, it's like, you think it's just going to translate. And I think that's a lot yeah. of what you're saying here, you know, mm -hmm. when you were talking about the iterative process and figuring it out and, you know, all of that, I was thinking about just the maturation of any time you go to something new, you have to put in the practice in order to refine it enough to be good at it. But I think a lot of folks who take for granted that they're really good at what they do and then try to lean into something like this and it feels awkward, they do throw up the barriers. I'm not going to do this, or I'm just going to put it out there and not, and not look at it or, you know, or not do it, you know, yeah. completely at all, because I just don't feel like this is something I can get better at which I think the conversation we just had is 
so important to countering that because I think it is one of those things that when you can get over yourself and it becomes an objective evaluation of things through the metrics, watching yourself back, seeing how you're showing up, what do you want your personal brand to be, all of that builds the tools around being able to be successful at it. I think people just quit too soon. Yeah, you got to watch your game tape, right? Yep, mm -hmm. yep. This analogy is going to carry all the way through. Well, I just find it funny because usually when April is like reflecting upon her own personal self experiences, she refers to herself in the third person. So I'm finding it very interesting listening to her back because she hated being on video, like hated oh, video. I really, like every time I mentioned video, she'd be like, oh. I mean, this face, I mean, just she has this like this face, like she could murder me right now, <laughs> which is basically what she used to be like when I said any, when I even mentioned the word video. But I think, I mean, you have become more comfortable mm -hmm. in it the more you've done it. And it's kind of interesting too, because you have to figure out what format you like the most. Like yeah. when we do a lot of our training videos, we do it to a computer and all we see is ourself, which I find a whole lot more difficult than if somebody's on the other side of the camera or if I'm doing it to a bunch of people and they're just recording to me because I can feel the people and the energy and that I feed off of that and I feed off of the reactions. So there's even different ways of which the video can be created that can help to bring out the more authentic, natural you, I think. And that leads to the results that you want to see. And so I would love for you because I think AJ, you nail how to determine if you're successful because you've done a really fantastic job of really laying out all the different ways you can evaluate that. So maybe you can speak to Rock a little bit in how you help people figure out, okay, how am I going to address whether or not this is even working? Yeah, that's a good question. So one thing to note is that when you're thinking about social media land, it's all rented space, right? Like you don't own what's going on the platforms the channels what you own is the brand you own the perception people have of you the memories that people are having with you so when you focus in on it like that then it doesn't matter what the next social media platform is because then it'll be a lot easier to move audiences over or get discovered on different platforms what happened is like basically what we're talking about here is the study of attention economics, right? Which is how do we evaluate or give value to attention? Because that's what it all is. And a lot of the numbers on social media feel arbitrary at first because it's like, oh, I have, you know, thousand followers. So what? Or like, I got some views or I got some like, well, like, what does all this mean? So over the years, as I've been working with clients and helping them understand you know, what's going on and the value that that is being extracted from it. My business advisor and I came up with a model called ROAC, Return on Attention Created. And essentially, it's a methodology that we use to determine how valuable content is, what kind of impact it's having. There's both a qualitative component to it and a quantitative component to it. We're not only looking at the metrics from, you know, whether it's leads, whether it's reach, whether it's shares, it's likes, et cetera. We're also looking at the quality of it. Like what kind of quality comments are we getting? What the audience sentiment is towards your brand. And we're basically evaluating that and looking at that over time. And then once you start to understand that, you realize that social media is one touch point and there's multiple channels that you have. And sometimes social media becomes that one significant touch point that directs people to your offers, or sometimes it becomes one of the touch points throughout the customer journey that impacts your offers. But what social media is doing is it is creating the perception of how people see you. So whether you already have an existing email list, whether you have people that are already subscribed to you, as you create more content, more people start to see you. So Rock is really about hey, this is the value that we're getting. Am I getting new website subscribers? Am I getting new leads? Am I getting speaking engagements? Am I getting verified followers that are following me? By understanding all of that, you start to realize, okay, there's value in creating content. And it's different from what most people understand. Most people understand direct response advertising. They understand the advertising ecosystem. But a lot of people don't really understand the organic ecosystem, which is more of what I call delayed response. Right. Like Google is delayed response where you create a website, you create content on it, you keep posting, posting, posting. And then six months later, 12 months later, you start to rank for content and you start to get traffic. 
similarly with social media, it works like that as well, where you're creating content, you're seeding people, you're getting into the swing of things of what it is that you're doing. And then by understanding the meaning behind, hey, this is, you know, I'm getting views, I'm getting engagement, I'm getting these types of people that are following me three to six months down the line. Now you can start to see, oh, these people are actually interested in what I have to offer. This person wants to have a conversation with me. So by thinking about it that way, it makes it so that you're not hung up on, I created something today, didn't get any views, and I didn't get really any traction, so I'm going to quit. Mm-hmm. Versus thinking of it as six months from now, 12 months from now, 24 months from now, you're building a brand. You have asked for it, and now it's here. The Brand Strategy Workbook. Three insider secrets to build a powerful B2B brand to transform you from a commodity into a market leader. This strategy has been tried and tested on 20 plus industries over a combined 40 plus years of experience. Do you want to stand out in your industry and get more sales? Show you're different to attract and retain top talent? Build a brand that drives real business results? Then go to forthright-people.com forward slash brand strategy and get started now. It is so important because when you start with just the metrics, right, I think that's something that is now historic and in the rearview mirror is just looking at those things, right, because they're meaningless and what we're trying to actually achieve in the level of sophistication. But I also think that in the digital space in total and very much in social media, people get distracted and think of it as like a totally separate thing. So I love what you said about you can't just look at that, and I'm my words, like in a vacuum and only gauge your success based on that. You're using it as one of many channels and the whole ecosystem has to work together, which should be something that's encouraging to those people out there who are like, I'm not great at this right now, but I have all these other things, right? If you think about this as just one thing of many, you don't have to put so much pressure on it. But it's also about what are the bigger business goals or results or brand results that you're looking for and what is this playing in it in its entirety, not just, okay, I'm now on TikTok and I'm expecting that to be the be all end all. Like we said at the beginning, snapping my fingers and all of a sudden I'm making millions of dollars because I decided to put something out there. And the yeah. hard work and I think really the patience that goes into it to mm-hmm. refine it, to get it right, to make all of the pieces work together. We talk a lot about how it used to be like the Super Bowl TV spot that we worked on all year, right? To your point about traditional advertising, that was the thing. And you were putting all your money and all your eggs in that basket. And now it's like, well, that was maybe simpler, although really risky in a lot of ways. But now you have to have the discipline to explore all the options and put together the right package of marketing efforts in order to achieve those results. It's not just kind of a one size fits all anymore. Yeah, especially with like, you know, I don't know how much Super Bowl ad costs, like seven million or whatever it is. You kind of just throw it on that. But yeah, I think the internet has shown us that you could be a lot more uh, intelligent about how you're using your investing your your money. And it's not just about advertising, but you really it's about your investment and creativity, right? Just because the advertising ecosystem is getting harder, it's going to get more challenging. So even more, we're seeing more brands, more corporations, more people wanting to go into this route of building a brand on organic social media, because that's where consumers are at. And that's where they get information the fastest. And like we were talking about earlier, if they're seeing these platforms as a source for their news, they're taking it as an authority place, right? So if you're there and you're in front of them, then you have the ability to impact you. And at first it does start off with like, you're building a brand, you're increasing your engagement, but you're ultimately impacting your your customer loyalty, right? As people start to see you. And then over time, what happens is you'll notice that any customers that you have or people that you have that have social media as a touch point will tend to have a higher average order value. They'll have a, a longer lifetime value because you're in front of them so frequently. There's this quote that I was that I love by um, one of the co-founders of Google talks about when he's looking to acquire a company, he, he has something called a toothbrush test. So he looks to see if your product product is something that a person will use once or twice a day and will make them feel better about it, right? That's how he determines whether he wants to buy a billion dollar company. So I kind of took that to heart with how I create media companies for clients. So the goal is to create content in a way where people are consuming it once or twice a day. 
and that it leaves some kind of positive impact where it makes them laugh, makes them learn something, makes them feel inspired. And if you could do that consistently enough, you'll start to do that with more and more people. And then you'll start to see that impact your key business metrics, right? Your ROI, your ROAS, whatever it is. But that's why we start off with ROAC first, because it helps you start to look at it differently. Yeah. I like that. And I think it helps you to really nail down the value that you bring to the conversation, because I think you're, you're right. The patience needed to really invest in this is almost excruciating. Yeah. Like it's almost beyond human because <laughs> you're going to put in so much work to it and you're not going to see that immediate response on day two, not even probably on day seven. And I think that's yeah. why everybody kind of in their head is just like, you know, we talked about virality that they're like hoping for that moment in time. Well, I mean, we can point to 10 moments in time in the, probably the last couple of weeks, and that's all those people are going to have, right? So you have to really think about what you want and what your long game is of this. If you want to have that moment in time and have your moment of fame like Chewbacca mom and be done in like 48 <laughs> hours, you can be done in 48 hours. But if you want a sustaining brand that's going to continue to bring value to people that you can leverage as a way to build a business, this is the investment that you need to do. And what you're really investing into, I think, is the network effect, right? Because this is the only place where you have attention of all these people that you don't know that technically, besides the, the cost of creating the content, you could put on a channel for free, right? You don't have to pay some a million dollars for a 30 second TV spot, no matter where it's at. So, and it's those constant hits, like we talked about, like going at bat, at bat, at bat, at bat, that increases your batting average and makes you better at it. So I think... All of that is like so super critically important. And I combine that with a lot of the other things we hear people say, which is like, I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to talk about. And we hear that all the time in coaching with people who want to go and they want to be speakers or trainers or coaches themselves. And I think, you know, if everybody remembers that their own personal experience is unique and there's always something of value to bring to your own personal experience because nobody has been through it like you have been through it. I think that really helps people see that they might have a space to play. I use the analogy all the time. I'm like, oh, how do you lose weight, right? You exercise more and eat less calories. I mean, everybody knows that's kind of how you lose weight. You can, there's a bunch of variations of what you can eat and what, okay, whatever. If I tell you that, are you more you know, bound to believe me? And maybe you would be because of my experience if I've, I've lost 14 pounds over the last week. Or are you going to bring a, a personal trainer? Is that going to who you can be believed? Like a, a lot of people can share the same message, has the same insight, but it's who is speaking to it, how they're speaking to it, what their experience has been that makes it relevant to specific people. And you're going to re respond and he's talking about niching down to a crowd that other people are not going to respond to, are not going to be uh, receptive to. That's excellent. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right there. And that's how Google essentially is ranking websites. They have something called their eat formula. And as of recently, they just added a new E. So traditionally, Google's formula was expertise, authority, and trust. It's called the eat formula. And then as of last year, I believe it was last year, towards the end of the year, they added another E called experience. Because now we're living in this AI world where everyone has access to AI and all the information that's possible. So it's easy for anyone to talk about something uh, and sound like an expert. But now if you, you want to stand out, you need to be able to integrate your experience into the conversation because that's what makes it real. And that's what shows that people that you have these like nuances that you know what you're talking about, that you've actually lived what you're talking about and aren't just, you know, part of like the ocean of people that are just regarded their AI, right? Especially like when it comes to doctors, like, do you want to just, uh, if somebody was going to do surgery on you, do you want the guy that has had experience with, you know, hundreds of surgeries or the guy that just knows about surgeries because of everything he's read or watched on the internet? <laughs> I stayed at a Holiday Inn. That's one of my favorite commercials still. I'm not a surgeon. I stayed at a Holiday Inn though. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I think that's really good insight. And I really hope people hear that because um, it is a reflection of who we are as people that we want to put out there and which can be very difficult. And you have to be very vulnerable, especially when people are going to critique the way in which you do it. Uh, and that's not to scare anybody away from doing it. But it's, I think 
you need to be prepared for what it takes to be good at it. And so before I jump in, I'm gonna have some rapid fire questions for you here in a second. Before I jump into that, is there any other advice that you would give to people for how to be good at something like this, about how to be good at creating content or things to avoid so that you can be good at creating content? Perfection is a huge trap that everybody falls into, right? Like just trying to perfect it, especially when you're going into it in the beginning and you're new to it and you're not like, like at some point a content creator like gets over it where they're like, all right, I don't care what other people think. I'm just going to do it. And that's kind of, that's essentially where you want to be. But most people start with the point of like, it has to be perfect. But that's why we talk about it being like an iterative process, very similar to like the software world, any software that you've gotten, yep. whether it's from Bill Gates or from somebody else, you know, you have version 1.0012 and then you have 1.0013 and they're constantly releasing these new software updates. Similarly, if you think about like the world of art and you're sculpting something, it's messy at first and you got to chisel at it and you got to go at it. So similarly to the art and science of software or creating something, content creation is the same way. You do need to just go into it, build off of it, learn from it. And that's essentially like in its fundamental sense, how AI works, like, you know, get something wrong and then it fixes it and then it gets better from it. It learns from it. Right. So we're human intelligence and that's kind of how we work. You make a mistake, you learn from it and then you move on or you make a mistake and you keep making it until you learn from it and then you move on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I Anne called me out before, and I will call myself out as a recovering I was perfectionist. Say, perfection, this is when April's gonna start in the third person again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as a recovering perfectionist, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think that people that are perfectionist by nature and have things that they've built skills in, if they can get over that piece of it, I think what you said is exactly right. And I love the analogy of art and science, which we also use all mm -hmm. the time. It's like, yes, you need the data-based things, but then you have to marry it with these more emotional, qualitative, as you said before, insights. And you really have to keep working at it and keep at it to get it right. And I think, honestly, in this space, perfection really doesn't have a place because I think it's the more imperfect people not that it's like lazy or not well produced right. I'm not saying those types of things but when you let your human humanity show through which naturally means you're flawed it brings forth that authenticity that I think you can't manufacture and actually that can be some of where the magic can happen for people yeah people like seeing that like it makes them feel like they can actually relate to this person that they're actually human you know that's how I used to feel about soap operas. I'm like, at least my life isn't that bad. I did. I did too. <laughs> now we're dating ourselves. I'm not possessed by the devil and my dad is married to my sisters. Like, I don't know, whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Soap or Lifestyles? Of... No, I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> we all have that reference point. <laughs> Are you ready for some rapid fire? Let's do it. All right. So we like to say these were not prepared ahead of time. That's right. So this is all AJ off the cuff. Here we go. All right, AJ, if you had some, if someone gave you, we'll say 500,000 and said you had to use it on yourself, you couldn't give it away. You, you can't be altruistic about it. What would you buy? Real estate, safe investment. I'd park, I'd park it in something like that. <laughs> You're supposed to buy something for yourself. Oh, this is for like fun. I'd like buy a Porsche 911 or something. Better. <laughs> I'd get at least one of those and I'd park the rest of the money. <laughs> I'd put it all in Bitcoin. Oh, <laughs> Bitcoin. oh boy. Um, yeah, we want the more irresponsible answer, not the more responsible. Oh, you want irresponsible, not responsible. Okay, yeah. that's a different story. <laughs> then we're going to be flying somewhere. We're going to be getting cars. Where, would, where would you fly then? Because that would be a similar second question. It's like, where would you go if you could go any place? I love Hawaii. I've been there a couple of times. I could go as many times as possible. So I'd love to go there again. It's been a minute. Any place specific or anything you would do? Uh, skydiving in mm. Hawaii sounds really amazing. I've skydived a couple of times and yeah, it's unbelievable. It's literally the best thing you could do. If you ever have any kind of fear or doubt in yourself, go skydiving. That, it'll knock that thing right out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, I have a fear of falling, so I think that would pretty much take me over the edge. <laughs> that would do it. You could also do bungee jumping. I've done that once. That's scarier. Oh, yeah. I've done sky swing. I haven't done bungee jumping, but I did sky swing. Where they pull you up, and then you let you go, and then you swing like a pendulum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. That's cool. 
Yeah, that were there was a state of weightlessness in that that I will never like forget in all my life. <laughs> it reminds me of like feeling that you'd have when you, you're on a swing and you're kind of swinging and you get that like feeling in your stomach. In your stomach, yeah. It's yeah. probably yeah. like that it's times exactly 100. like this. Yeah. But you're like you can't feel the harness. You're suspended like for that brief second before you come back down the other way, and you're just like. I'm just gonna fall to my death right here, right now. <laughs> That's just gonna happen. It's over. It's over. Yeah, on this beach in Daytona. <laughs> I would also, speaking of being in Hawaii, I'd also do like shark diving kind of thing. I've always wanted to do stuff like that. So, ah. it'd be very adventurous. Five hundred grand could do a lot. Do a That's lot of damage with that. That's true. Yeah, after you jump out, probably of your get myself on top diving. of a volcano in a helicopter or something. That's, That's probably, right. Probably possible too. Well, and I would be using the rest for a life insurance policy. <laughs> probably a good idea we volunteer to be the beneficiaries of that one aj <laughs> i'll add you one and two all right so let's see one more okay well this will be a good one because it'll see if how adventurous you are and since we talked about elon if you had the opportunity to ride in spacex would you I'm going to say yes, I'll do it it sounds kind of scary to be honest just the concept and the idea of being up there you know, but I would do it. Heck yeah. Right? And that's only a thousand. I think it's only a hundred thousand. So I think you can go five times then. Oh my gosh. Five times. <laughs> uh, if, I do, if, I, if I do it once and I come back, I don't think I'm going to take any more risks at that point. <laughs> like I do sometimes imagine the future and I do see a future at some point where that becomes very like normal as normal as someone just sitting on a couch watching us fly, you know, through space and time. Kind of an interesting thing. It is kind of, I think so too. All right. Well, those were fun to, uh, to hear a little bit more about you behind the digital maestro thing. Anything else you'd like to say to kind of wrap us up? Anything else you'd like to add or you didn't touch on? And obviously let people know where they can find you. Well, you can find me on limitless.inc. That's my company's website. We work with people and we help them build and grow their personal brands. You can also follow me on Instagram, AJ, the digital maestro, if you want to just see and hear my musings. And I think the last thing I would say is we live in a very fascinating, interesting time. I know that I know the news is full of garbage and junk about all these scary things that are going on. But I think that's really just a small percentage of reality. I think now is such a such a, an amazing time and social media platforms and the ability for us to communicate at the level that we can is just amazing. So take advantage of it now while you still can, whether it's with me or yourself and you're just figuring out, take advantage of it. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with AJ. And for all of you else out there, we'll say go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.